What's up, New York? You're listening to the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. My name is Pete. And if you're not familiar with the podcast, if this is your first time, first off, welcome. Please like our page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parlor even, and if you haven't heard of Parlor, it's a conservative social network platform as we're finding more and more conservatives on all social media platforms, at least the main ones, are being deplatformed and unable to post. Uh, therefore, there are conservative and bipartisan platforms even popping up that really believe in free speech. So check us out on there and also check out our website, EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com. But Empire State Conservative Network is for folks who are living in New York and they're not very happy with how the state is being run. They feel ostracized by friends, family, and co-workers for having different political views than the ones that are seemingly consistent in the state, which is to be a democratic socialist, basically. And we're going to get into that actually towards the end of today's episode. So today I'm going to talk a lot about Andrew Cuomo and state lawmakers, and most most specifically, excuse me, Cuomo. And the reason being is there's a lot on the line. Obviously, next year, everybody's um, terms in the state and federal uh, legislatures will begin. And there are things going on that we really need to be on top of heading into 2019 and then obviously heading into 2020 to incentivize ourselves to actually get out and vote this time because we were abysmal at the polls during the 2018 midterms about a month back and we need to take the state back red. We need to reinstill conservative values into our communities and conservative policies into our social and public policies because quite frankly, the state is going to crap. I'm going to go over this in more depth at the end of the episode, but actually I was wrong in something I said a little while ago. I'm going to get into that and then we'll get into stories of the day pertinent to the state. So it turns out that I spoke about California and a lot of the issues California is facing, and they are facing a lot of issues. They are an extremely blue state, much like here. It's a much bigger state and there are a lot of issues going on there. You got homeless people, all over the place, specifically in the northern parts, in central parts of the state. They're handing out hypodermic needles to hobos, and obviously a lot of hobos are on the streets because they can't find jobs, and they can't find jobs because they're substance abusers. Very smart. There's fecal metal all over the place. In fact, San Francisco alone is spending $100 million a year just to pay people and to pay for cleaning supplies to clean the crap off the sidewalks. It's not a good situation there in California. They're ranked number 49 on the economic index and the economic freedom index, excuse me, as of 2017, 2018. We'll have obviously updated numbers at the end of next year. So does anybody want to guess what New York ranked last year? We were 50th, 5-0. So there are 50 states in the union. We are ranked 50th out of 50 in terms of economic freedom, and we have an even bluer state legislature coming into term starting in January. So it's important that we stand on top of local events, and I think going forward on my Wednesday shows, my solo shows, we're going to go into more local events because when I'm with Evan or we do the roundtables with Justin or even Justin does his solo episodes, we always tend to cover more national issues And that's great, and it's important, obviously, as Americans that we're on top of national issues, but it's also important that we're on top of what's going on at home because that's what affects us the most out of just about everything. So let's start off, though, with something unrelated to that, and let's talk about how Yankees president Randy Levine is rumored to be the top of the list 
for Trump's next chief of staff. And this is per multiple sources on both sides of the aisle. This is per MSNBC on one side and the Wall Street Journal on the other. So Levine has been an avid Trump supporter, even though he has called out some of Trump's policies, like he wasn't a fan of the tax cuts going on as of last year. And he could be the second New York-based either team president or owner to join the Trump administration. So for those of you who don't remember, Woody Johnson, the Jets owner, is now currently the UK ambassador, and he's been that in that role for the Trump administration since August of 2017. Levine nixed the rumors yesterday, according to Yahoo Sports, and he said he's very happy being the president of the Yankees, and, and who wouldn't? They're coming off a 100-win season. Obviously, unfortunately, they ran into the Red Sox a little too early in their playoff push, but obviously, the Yankees are a very well-run organization. They're perennially contenders every single year. They've got a crop of young talent, and you know we'll see what happens with them this offseason. This isn't a sports show, so we'll get back to politics. But um, one thing to think about, though, with Randy Levine is he does have a political background. He spent three years in New York City's deputy mayor for economic development, and he resigned from that position to become president of the Yankees. He's also worked as a fundraiser for John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign. So again, he does have political experience. And I remember when the rumors were circulating about Woody Johnson taking a position, a lot of people close to Johnson didn't think he would take the job. He really said he very much enjoyed being owner of the Jets, but we all know how that turned out. He's been uh, for a little over a year now, the ambassador to the UK. So we'll see what happens with Randy Levine. A lot of names that had been leaked that were not Levine's, obviously, uh, for chief of staff entering the new year, have not really come to fruition. That's not a highly desirable job, but perhaps even though they do have their um, differences, Levine can come into Trump's administration and help get things squared away as his new chief of staff entering the new year. So next up, we're going to talk about Democratic New York Senator Kevin Parker. I believe I talked about him last week regarding some gun legislation, but um, he put his foot in his mouth very recently because he cried race in a speech regarding the incoming class. So if you remember the incoming freshman class of Democrats and and in general Democrats entering the state legislature next year, they include the first Iranian American, the first Indian American and first Taiwanese American senators. So what's state senators, excuse me. So what's the issue? Well, he said, and I quote, don't show up to a meeting with four white guys. He also said, and I quote, I'm disappointed that anybody was offended by my comment after there was some public outrage. And then, quote, it was meant to be provocative and not offensive, but I stand by my point. So this guy's been known for his bluntness in the past. He was known for being a bit of a firehead and and very easy to get to yell and scream and do all that. And I don't understand what you're complaining about when you do have quite possibly the most diverse freshman class and any Senate class entering New York State, which is very tough to do because let's face it, I mean, this is one of the bluest states in the union and it just got a heck of a lot bluer entering 2019 because again, we did not show up at the midterms. I will pound this point home as long as I can until we can actually make some change happen in New York State. And I see a lot of posts in the Empire State Conservatives group on Facebook, so check that out, facebook.com forward slash Empire State Conservatives. And on a lot of the content we do from people all over the state saying eh, it doesn't matter, you know, the people in the city and, and in Nassau County, they're real, and in Westchester in certain parts, they're going to vote blue and they outnumber us, and therefore there's nothing we can do. And that's not true. We've gone over this a million times. I'll go over it one more time. 
Evan has pointed this out. Even if you're a one policy issue, obviously, as gun owners, as conservatives, we're not fans of the SAFE Act. And they're looking to work on the SAFE Act 2, which will make gun restrictions even more restrictive <laughs> entering 2019 and going forward. So even if you're a one policy voter and you want to protect your rights to own a gun and to make certain modifications to it that aren't federally illegal, um, you should get out and vote. There are four and a half million gun owners. Andrew Cuomo did not receive four and a half million votes. He received between two and three million votes. I think it was just over two and a half million. Mark Molinaro, while he was an establishment Republican and he obviously wasn't a very good candidate, received about one and a half million votes. So you mean to tell me that if all four and a half million gun owners in New York State, who I'm willing to bet the vast majority of are conservative, so let's say three of the four and a half million are conservative, and that might be a conservative figure, uh, got out and voted. It could have been a whole different situation. And if we can actually find and get behind a good state governor entering 2020, then, you know, and there have been rumors about Cuomo becoming a presidential candidate. We'll see if that happens. Apparently, he went to Iowa. He spent almost 300 grand and he walked away saying he wasn't going to run for president, which was probably because whoever he hired to do some consulting for him told him, look, dude, you're not going to be a good candidate. You're not going to get very far. You have a good gig in New York. You might as well keep it and hold on to it for as long as you can. But Cuomo is a terrible governor. I'm going to get into a few things in a second, which I'm really not happy about that I've come to light in recent weeks. But in terms of this guy, Kevin Parker, getting back, crying race and race baiting in a speech leading into the most diverse by racial and ethnic standards uh, class of state legislators in New York, get off your high horse, dude. Honestly, I did an episode a while ago. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can I'll link back. If you're listening to this on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, you can go back and find the episode that's titled Progress Does Not Equal Diversity, and that's because it's true. Just because you have a diverse group of people that come from all different races, religions, and ethnic backgrounds does not mean that they are a good fit to be a legislator. Does not mean that they are a good fit to be a politician. It takes a certain type of meritocracy if you really want to get anything done. I don't care if everybody in the state is a black legislator. I don't care if they're all white. I don't care if they're all Asian. I don't care if they're all Jewish, Christian, Muslim, whatever. I don't care. The one thing I care about, and everyone over this yesterday on our group episode, is are they good at what they do? We were talking about Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy winner, who was bashed by the media for a few tweets he made um, with saying the word queer a couple of times as a 14-year-old. <laughs> but um, it's the same thing holds true here and in anything. You know, and, then, and we can talk about the president being the very same way. Obviously, President Trump is not the highest moral standard in our society. He's cheated on his wife and his ex-wives many times. He's always been known as a philanderer with women. Uh, he does not have the best business practices. But so far, for the most part, there are areas, and I will touch on this in a future episode, there are areas where he certainly needs to improve because you can live in the now and you cannot worry about the not-too-distant future because you're an older guy and you know your days on this earth are numbered. But uh, for the most part, he's been the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. In some ways, he's been more conservative since Ronald Reagan, moving the U.S. Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and doing a bunch of other things on the, on the grand stage, getting us out of a terrible deal in the Paris Climate Accords, ending the Iran nuclear deal, a whole bunch of other things. Um, it's more so important what you can do versus who you are 
what your ethnic background is, you know, certain things that you obviously have no control over. You're born to your parents and you're born into a certain religion and race and, and certain environmental conditions. You have no control over that. Therefore, you shouldn't check off boxes and all of a sudden that means that you're going to be a good legislator. It doesn't work that way. I'm really getting sick of hearing this on all sides. But Kevin Parker, get off your high horse. Why don't you actually do something productive for the state of New York as opposed to just getting on your soapbox and grandstanding once again. So let's get off Kevin Parker, and now we'll get into the real meat and potatoes of today, Andrew Cuomo. So first off, a smaller thing, I'm going to take maybe a minute to talk about this before we get into some bigger issues. So first off, Governor Cuomo vetoed a bill recently that would have given lotto winners the ability to remain anonymous after they were able to report their winnings. There was no solid justification. He said, well, the advertising and all that is important to keeping people excited about the lotto and in the state. And look, I understand that, but at the same time, if you think about it, especially if it's someone in a very low-income neighborhood and everyone knows everybody and they happen to play the lotto and they win the lotto, they're at risk. Anybody who all of a sudden runs into an absurd amount of money when so many people are struggling, they're going to be at risk of being robbed uh, or, or acts of violence or being sued or being like held for ransom almost where maybe there's some dirt dug up on them and like, okay, you got to pay me all the money or half the money or lump some of the money in order to hold this off. So I don't understand why Cuomo would veto this bill. Again, no solid justification. And it just goes to show you that he's a grandstander. All he cares about is making himself look good. And, and people can argue, well, he's making the state look good. No, he's not respecting the privacy of the citizens. This is a big issue with Cuomo. This is a big issue with the Democrats and with politics going on in this state for quite a while. So I want to touch on that very briefly. I saw that from News 12 and I thought that was interesting. Now, here are the two bigger issues with Cuomo. So first off, state lawmakers here in New York State may be set to become the highest paid lawmakers in the country. Now, this hasn't been approved yet. Cuomo has to approve this. But a state committee recommended increasing legislative pay from an average of $80,000 a year to $130,000 a year, which is a $50,000 increase on average in salary. Now, the committee says the pay bump is needed because the pay has not kept pace with the rate of inflation. All right. So, there are two sides to the argument. Evan and I touched on this on a past episode that we did together. But moral of the story, when you enter any type of workplace, yes, raises on an annual basis are often to be expected. Now, I think that whole type of mentality has to be taken out of the public sector, especially if you're working for a state or you know, local state or federal government. And here's why. If you're doing that, your number one priority should not be some type of structured, easy, you know, pay scale as you go. If you're just looking for financial stability, the government should not be the way to go because, again, we may run to financial turmoil in the not-too-distant future that could unravel quite a bit of that. But you should enter any type of government position, whether you're a secretary at a local office, all the way leading up to the governorship of New York State, anywhere in between, any type of state legislator, you should go into this with the people in mind, not narcissism, 
not power. Unfortunately, for a lot of the Democrats in office heading into, you know, both the incoming freshmen, we'll see, but I'm willing to bet they're going to push these terrible socialist policies that are going to hinder our lives even more. They're going to try and raise state taxes, property taxes, sales tax to give us free stuff. Nothing's ever free. We already know that. These are not people that we want. And B, they should only do this when they have sufficient revenue to cover that, which they don't, and when they're doing a good job, when economic freedom is high, and when people in the state are thriving. People in the state aren't thriving. Even in the city, people can't afford to live in New York City because rent prices are exceptionally high for hole-in-the-wall places. Literally, the size of, not even the size of the room I'm in, you got pull-down beds here, you got a, a stove right in front of your bed, hardly any room to walk around, and you have a bathroom. It's probably the only other room in your apartment. And all that for a nice three grand a month in New York City. Rent prices in and around Queens are not much better. And they're only going to go up. Now, this still isn't a place of opportunity. New York State still has hints of greatness in it. But like I said at the beginning of the show, our economic freedom ranking, according to the Cato Institute, ranked 50th out of all 50 states in the union in 2017 to 2018. And again, new figures will be given at the end of 2019 next year. So are we going to go in a positive direction? I think not. California may rival us because they too had a similar blue wave, a lot of which they stole, but we won't get into that today. Um, but we have more and more incoming freshmen, Democratic senators who and, and state legislators who are notoriously socialist in terms of their policies. Look into them. This is not a good thing. So Kevin Parker crying about, oh, there can't be too many white people in a meeting. F off. Seriously. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's one thing if the diverse group you want to bring in is actually productive and is actually doing things in the best interest of the people, but they're not. If they're instilling higher taxes, if they're making more and more red tape for small businesses to go through, it's just not going to help the state. And I'm willing to bet we do not move and we remain 50th out of 50. And our positioning as a place to come to continues to go downward as time goes on because of these terrible policies that are going to be instituted. Mark my words, the state is not going to get better. And there's going to be higher taxes, more red tape, and more and more people are going to leave. There's already over, you know, between 100 and 200,000 people leaving the state every year, you know, and that's, and that's in accordance with people coming in. So we're losing one, between one and 200,000 people a year. Why? Because the cost of living is getting ridiculous to live here. Taxes are way too high. There's way too much regulation. There are many states in this union still that are much freer. And unfortunately, a lot of them too are starting to get infiltrated, but they're much further behind than we are. We're in the top five, I'd say, of most democratic states. And that's not a good thing, by the way, in the union. So we need to try and take this back in 2020. And we need to get the word out about this. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is how Governor Cuomo is at odds with Long Island lawmaker Kathleen Rice for holding out against Nancy Pelosi. So obviously, there's been speculation that Nancy Pelosi, who wants to be the House Speaker again, entering the new term in January, is having some opposition, particularly from incoming freshman congressmen and women. And that, that you could see, because a lot of these 
coming in are radicals. These are radical people, like Ocasio-Cortez, like the one from Minnesota we talked about a few episodes ago about genital mutilation, and a lot of other people. There was another woman, I forget her name, in Ohio, who's just as crazy. These people don't know, they either don't know, or they want to instill socialism because they want all the money, they want all the power, and they want to strip us of our rights and take more and more of our hard-earned money from us. But I'm going to read off a few quotes from a radio interview and then Kathleen Rice's response. So Cuomo was talking about the issue with Kathleen Rice not getting on board. He's trying to convince her to back Pelosi instead of another, you know, more radical person to be House Speaker. And Cuomo was quoted as saying on WNYC on Monday that it's not about you to Rice. It's about electing a Democratic Congress to stop bad things from happening with President Trump. Don't aid and abet the Republicans by jeopardizing her leadership, unquote. She then replied through her spokesman, Michael Asiman. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If not, I'm sorry, dude. But he said for her, quote, the party establishment is circling the wagons for one of two reasons. Either they didn't hear voters call for a generational change in leadership, or they're simply choosing to ignore it. <laughs> All right, here's the problem with that. So as you guys know from the shows that we've done so far, Evan, myself, Justin, and most New York conservatives are not happy with establishment Republicans. It's why we got our asses handed to us at the ballot boxes during the midterms. That's why an already extremely blue state got a heck of a lot bluer in the time since then and will be in January. And why I talked about some of the issues that may be coming on the horizon very shortly into the new year. So Kathleen Rice, who is obviously a pretty radical person herself, Going after, going for a newer, younger, uh, more radical um, House Speaker is not good. Pelosi, while awful in every way, shape, or form, she's a liar, she's a nincompoop, she doesn't know anything about anything, she's at least a more savvy politician, she won't overstep her bounds. Yeah, sure, she'll posture with the best of them, along with Chuck Schumer, who... I, I hate how that guy keeps getting reelected for the state because he's our state senator, but we won't get into that today. But we'd rather have, you know, it's almost the, the, the question of what we're going to have to deal with you know, from the 2016 presidential election. It was another establishment person in Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate or the unknown wild man, President Trump, who guarantees to get a whole bunch of conservative things done, which, again, to his credit, for the most part, he has. There are things still that he could do better and that he should touch on that he simply refuses to at this time. But all in all, I think we made the better choice as a nation during that time. But when it comes to the House speakership, you know, they're going to have a majority there now. We still have the Senate, which is a good thing. So even if they try and pass all these radical socialist bills through to the Senate, it's going to get knocked down in two seconds which is good. But that means more of the same in Washington, which is Congress not doing its job. For a quick civics lesson, Congress, the legislature, is supposed to create and pass laws. The president signs off on those laws. When the constitutional, uh, whether or not it's constitutional, 
tends to be up to the Supreme Court. It's called checks and balances. That's how the government works. And unfortunately, we're becoming more of a monarchy. And this has been happening for decades. It's not just with President Trump or President Obama. This has been happening for legitimately decades. The president is being looked at as the main monarch. That's why a lot of executive orders are being signed despite Congress's best intentions. Congress refuses to pass anything until the budget all of a sudden is coming due. Then they create this terrible thousands and thousands of pages for explaining the budget, which should not be thousands and thousands of pages. You know, we let government get too far, too expansive, too involved in our lives, and it's really been a detriment to Americans all over the place. And again, we'll talk about that another time. But it's establishment Democrats for the House Speakership Verse where maybe, maybe they can be pressured on getting things done because they've broken on things before. They don't stand their ground. They're not good people. So if they're given, you know, and we're going to see what happens with this government shutdown situation where Trump is threatening a government shutdown unless he gets $5 billion to build the wall. Whether or not that will happen, time will tell. Both sides seem to be holding on pretty ardently to their positions, but we'll see. But it's either having these pushovers who will occasionally reach across the aisle, they'll, they'll grandstand on the posture, sure, but they'll occasionally reach across the aisle, or these radical, socialist, incoming people, these young people who don't know dick about anything, are going to try and give us all free stuff, I'm using air quotes for those of you listening, and who are going to take more of our tax money, infringe upon our rights, and I, I hope, I am, I think it's going to happen, unfortunately, in our lifetimes and in the not-too-distant future, but I'm willing to bet they tried to revoke the Bill of Rights, one by one. They're going to go after gun rights first, freedom of speech second. I mean, we've already, you know, through the Bush administration and the Patriot Act, we've already infringed on our Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights. But um, we're, we're, we're trying to take away more and more power. It's all based out of fear. And at the end of his blogs, all the time, he has a new one up today. Evan um, is the one I'm talking about, by the way, who I do, um, you know, a group episode with a couple of times a week or duo episode, I should say. But he talked, he always ends his blogs, regardless of what they're about, by saying, don't let fear take your freedom. And the reason that that's important is because a lot of people will give away their rights out of fear. When gun violence happens in someone's neck of the woods, you see the news reporters going down there from all the different stations and quoting people in the area saying, we need to do something about this. Well, okay, what do you want to do? That's not an issue about possessing a gun that's the issue of an insane person possessing a gun and how they got from acquiring the gun to carrying out their attack and often the ball is dropped by the police or um, the fbi even in some cases in a number of ways that these people are mentally deranged and that should be um assessed onto their um, background check so that they're not given a firearm legally but when there's a will, there's a way with criminality. We just saw a shooting in France where guns are not legal. So, I mean, it's not going to solve anything, but they're going to continue to create more and more red tape. They're going to continue to try to infringe on our rights. And that's going to result in, you know, hopefully not in our lifetime and hopefully it doesn't get to this point. Hopefully in 2020, we can take back the House. We can re- remain in the center, hopefully acquire even more seats so that there's never an issue and we can get Trump to be reelected and hopefully he can continue to carry out plans. Now he's laid out plans to cut the budget of every federal agency by 5% entering the new year, whether or not that happens or not, we'll see what happens, whether the government shuts down and what they decide upon in terms of a budgetary agreement. But uh, look, 
it's establishment, it's, sorry, establishment versus radicals. And who do you want? We don't want the radicals because unlike with Trump, where he was the radical during the last election, obviously Obama's failed globalist policies were not working for Americans. They got out there and they voted and they pulled the biggest upset in political history, all things considered. So we don't want the same to happen on the other end. We don't want to lose the establishment on the left because, like I said, they're pushovers and they're more likely to work with us. They may not be, but they're more likely to work with us and they're a little teensy-beensy bit more reasonable than the radicals who will try and take everything from you, your rights, your freedom, and your money. So keep that in mind. So guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. So if you like this episode, please give it a like, a comment where applicable, and a five-star review also where applicable. Feel free to follow us on all the social media platforms. Evan is going to list a laundry list of where you can find us online and you know a couple of things, and then I'm going to sign off. So if you can contribute towards us furthering this, we want to give you more episodes like this. We want to give you more blog posts. We want to give you more audio recordings. We want to give you more great original content. And we want to ultimately spread the word in New York that conservatives are not alone. A vast majority of the counties in New York State are red. They're not blue. And we can outvote the city. We can outvote the extremely highly populated blue areas in the state that gave the governorship to Cuomo, that gave the state legislature even more power towards the Democrats. We can outvote them. But we have to get out there and vote. We have to spread the word. And we have to continue to instill important conservative philosophies into the minds of the youth and across the state, letting people know that they're not alone, which is what Empire State Conservative Network was founded upon. So if you can, there's a couple of ways to support us. Number one, if you want some awesome merchandise, you can check out our store on our website, EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com forward slash store. We have hoodies, we have t-shirts, we have morale patches, we have a whole bunch of stuff. Feel free to check it out and purchase it. It's a great holiday gift either for yourself or another fellow Empire State conservative. And it's going to help us out. It's going to help us improve the quality of what we're able to bring to you. And lastly, if you're willing, please feel free to donate. You can do so either one time in whatever amount you want or on a monthly basis. We have five, ten, and twenty dollar monthly packages and subscriptions. And obviously, depending on the amount that you donate every month, you get more and more perks. But you can find out more and more about those by going to our site, EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com forward slash donate. So for that, I'm Pete. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and watching or listening. Evan and I will come back at you either tomorrow or Friday. I know Justin's going to be coming at you with a podcast episode of his own in the next 24 hours. But for that, I'm signing off. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. Talk to you soon. It's Evan with Empire State Conservatives Network. Just a reminder to check us out on our website at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com or Patreon at Patreon.com slash EmpireStateConservativeNetwork on Facebook at Facebook.com slash EmpireStateConservatives on Twitter at EmpireStateCons Instagram at GetRedPilledNY and on YouTube. Make sure that if you like our stuff to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And as always, don't let fear take your freedom.